Do you know what type of doctor you want to be? With over 160 medical specialties and the rapid pace of medical school, choosing your final path in medicine can be challenging. MedicMap is here to help. Each episode features an interview with a practicing physician across a broad array of specialties and backgrounds. Tune in to discover the insights these professionals have to offer and to get all the juicy details to help you map your career in medicine. Happy listening! Welcome back to MedicMap for a new episode. Today we will be covering the field of anesthesiology with Dr. Debbie McAllister, the Residency Program Director for Anesthesiology in Calgary. I mean, who better to talk about the specifics of clerkship, residency, and CARMS than the Program Director herself? So without further ado, I'm happy to introduce you all to our very special guest. Hi, Dr. McAllister. Welcome to MedicMap. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's so great to have you on the show. Could you start us off by telling us a little bit about what you currently do? Sure. So I am currently a pediatric anesthesiologist at the Children's Hospital in Calgary. So my main job is anesthesia there. Part of part of what I do is also pain medicine, palliative medicine. I do transport for the pediatric ICU. Um, I am still involved in teaching for undergraduate students, and I'm the current program director for the program of anesthesia, the anesthesia residence in Calgary. Awesome. Sounds like you have a lot going on, lots on your plate. So thanks again for taking the time to do this. I know it's a big commitment. Tell us a little bit about what was your journey like towards anesthesia? What was your journey like in medical school? Um, I am a U of C graduate, and I can tell you that as I went through my medical school training, I was excited by every single, you know, specialty and system that we went through. I loved it all. I really did not consider anesthesia at all as a medical student, so I was very blessed um, as a clinical clerk, my first rotation was in the Crow's Nest Pass with a GP anesthesiologist. So my mornings were in the operating room and my afternoons were in the family medicine clinic. And I still think that that GP anesthesiologist is possibly one of the best anesthesiologists I've ever worked with. So probably within two weeks of spending time with him, I decided that anesthesia was the only thing I should ever do, that anyone should ever do in this life. So I was I was hooked and came back um, and went to the associate dean and said, I have to change my entire year. I've never done anesthesia and now I've had a taste and I need to do some electives. So I was very lucky. People were super supportive, helped change my year around and... Um, I got a couple of anesthesia electives in Calgary um, at the Peter Lougheed and at the Foothills. Solidified my my thinking around it. And by the time CARMS match rolled around, I knew what I was trying to get. So here I am. That provides a lot of hope for some of our students who are going into our clerkship year. And a lot of us are not sure exactly what we want to do. So it's nice to see that 
you can change your mind even just at the beginning or like a little bit into clerkship and it's not all set in stone. So thanks for that, actually. That's really helpful. So with all the things that you're currently doing, all of the things that you have on your plate, what does a day-to-day look like for you or is that very different across days? Yeah, it can be very different. So officially I'm a point eight FTE anesthesia. So that... Um, combines my operating room time, my pain service, all my various types of pain work is 80% of my time. So roughly, you know, four times, four days a week plus call. Um, And then the rest of my time would be dedicated to my anesthesia residence and the program and the little bit of undergraduate medical education teaching I still do. Um, So a, a typical... Day, or today, for instance, I was covering bridging pain service. So that's a clinic day, which is an unusual day for an anesthesiologist, but um, I was seeing patients from early this morning until just now when I'm meeting you. Um, and these days, days in the post-COVID era, some of those visits are virtual. So I'm connecting with families that I've seen previously and we're doing a follow-up by phone. Um, some of them, particularly new consults, I'm going to see in person. So I had one little person that I was just finishing up with before this. So I saw her and her parents and was able to come up with a plan. And I think I'll follow up with her in two weeks' time. So that's a clinic day for me. We would also have preoperative assessment clinic days um, where you're seeing a full spectrum of patients who are you're trying your best to optimize before they come for surgery. Um, operating room days, you know, your days start 7, 7.15 to set up in the OR. You're seeing your first patient before 7.30 and first cases underway and in the room before 8 o'clock. Those days are a little more unpredictable because, you know, things happen and sometimes things take longer and we, we don't get to just leave if if things aren't done. So an elective surgery day typically at the children's hospital would be 7.30 to 4. Um, and then we divvy up the after hours work um, with one, one anesthesiologist who is a late person or the second on call. So typically that room runs until 6 or 7 p.m. So you'd start around 7, 7.30, you end around 6.37 typically. You're still on call for the night in case the first on-call person needs to open up a second operating room. Um, so that, um, yeah, so there's a first on-call person, a second on-call person. If you're just doing a regular day and you're not covering any call, typically your days at, at the children's would be sort of seven to four. If you're at the foothills or any of the adult sites, the days tend to run longer on those elective days. So you're looking more kind of seven to five as an average nice day. Um, and then for us at the children's, we have a second on-call person. So your day is kind of seven to six-ish. And the first on-call person now, typically we start call for first on-call at 3.30 in the afternoon and run until seven o'clock the next morning. Um, there's a bit of that's highly variable how much work you might have. You might work all night. So you might work until seven in the morning. More often in the children's environments, we're, we're very dedicated to the idea that we are only doing life or limb-threatening work after midnight, um, just for overall safety of patient and team. 
So if we're working all night, it's very intense. Um, more often than not, I would say on average, we sort of finish up one, two, one or two or three in the morning sort of thing. So it's, it's not a full pull all the way until 7 a.m. If you are at an adult site, um, you're going to work those full nights more often. So if you're an anesthesiologist with your primary site at the foothills, chances are when you're first on call and you start at 4 p.m., you are going to work solid until 7 a.m. Um, they also have obstetric anesthesia at the adult site. And obviously, you know, clearly babies don't choose to come perfectly at 11 a.m. Each day they come around the clock, quite unpredictable. So um, yeah, those, those are long nights too. So you specifically work with children. How did you like sort of navigate your path to that? Was that an additional fellowship on top? So in anesthesia, we all do five years of residency training. So it's a five-year program. And in this day and age, um, you know, there are fantastic jobs across the country for anesthesiologists with five years of training. Some of us decide um, to do further training and the two specific areas um, that require subspecialty training to work in those areas. So pediatric anesthesia to be qualified to look after, you know, preterm babies, neonates, infants, any child under three years of age, you need to have subspecialty training in pediatric anesthesia. And that is an FRCP, a Royal College recognized subspecialty now. Um, and the other area in anesthesia that you require that extra fellowship training in order to do the work is cardiac anesthesia. So um, lots of people do specialty areas in other areas. They supplement their training with obstetric anesthesia, thoracic anesthesia, regional anesthesia, medical education, simulation training, you name it, transfusion medicine, um, toxicology, pharmacology. It's just, it's a wonderful launch pad for many, many other areas. It's just that right now with the job market, you really don't need to spend any extra time to get a job. You just you need to be a solid, hardworking, good team player, anesthesiologist with five years under your belt. I know you're very involved in the residency program. You're helping direct it. You have a lot of residents under your belt. What are the qualities that you see in those residents that you look for in future applicants? So what should students aim to have when applying to anesthesiology? Um, you know, I think it's really important for anyone applying to anesthesia to understand the, the pluses and minuses of the field, to have enough awareness of what the career is actually like. Um, so that knowledge, to be interested enough to actually have explored it, um, talk to enough people in the specialty to have an idea if, in fact, it's going to be a good fit for you long term. So quite realistic about uh, the pros and cons of the specialty. We look for uh, hardworking, dedicated, humble individuals, you know, and I think many, many people have asked me what I think is the best thing about our program. And I truly think the best thing about our program is our residents. They're remarkable. They, they are, it's, it's a family uh, for them. They are so supportive, so collegial, extraordinary team players. They look out for each other. Um, and it, it's a really long haul. So having a really supportive collegial environment around you, I think is 
extraordinarily important. So we look for future trainees who are a good fit with our family of residents as it exists now. And they're not, they are very, our current residents are uh, very unique, very different. You will find everything from your mountain climbers to your coffee buffs. You know, some of them do not go to the mountains, but they love the food and, you know, they're foodies and there's lots to, lots to find in Calgary. So it's a very diverse group of trainees and um, they really support each other well and complement each other very well. So we're looking for people that fit in that mix of team playing, hardworking, supportive, bright, you know, patient focused trainees. Yeah. That sounds very, very wholesome. Along those same lines, again, what would be your advice for medical students when it comes to CARMS applications? <laughs> it's such a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, I think that, again, you need to know at least a couple of anesthesiologists well enough that they can write a supportive letter of reference based on some knowledge, more than a half a day of shadowing, more than a day, that they've actually had some experience. Um, they can speak to, you know, your teachability, your willing willingness to learn. Nobody walks into these scenarios already knowing it. It's five years for a reason. You know, that's because it's you're learning on the job as you go. So it's that teachability, that willingness to learn. Um, willingness to accept feedback and identify knowledge gaps so that you can fill those knowledge gaps and then identify the next, you know, knowledge gap that needs filling sort of thing. So you need to know about the specialty. You need to have references from a couple of anesthesiologists that know you well. It doesn't need to be from Calgary. If you've got your heart set on Calgary and the only elective in anesthesia that you can get is at UBC, that's okay. We want to know that you've spent some elective time, that you were uh, well-received during your mandatory time in Calgary, um, that you've got a life outside of medicine, you know, because you really do need to have um, some perspective and some balance to handle the hours, the pressures, the intensity of the specialty well. So knowing that someone you know, it's got other areas of life that really help them keep things in perspective. Other interests, um, friends, family, their dogs, their animals, their pets, their love of coffee, coffee making, whatever it is. But other interests and something that sort of makes them a more rounded and um, grounded individual. Okay, that's some that's some really great advice. And so if you were to try and sell the specialty, which you already seem to have done a really great job so far, um, <laughs> if, if you were to sell anesthesia as a whole to a medical student, say, hey, come join us, what are the perks? Um, I think that it has incredible potential for making it whatever you want to make it. You know, when... As I said, as a medical student, I loved everything that I went through. I loved respirology. I loved cardiology. I thought I was going to be intensivist. I was going to be a plastic surgeon. Then I did emergency medicine, and I was going to be an emergency doctor. Then gen surgery. I'd be a general surgeon, of course. Obstetrics. I loved it, right? So and then you land in the specialty of anesthesia where you can provide 
um, incredible service for patients in all of these areas. You know, as a resident, I looked after everything from premature, premature infants to, you know, elderly patients to cancer patients to healthy patients who needed a knee scope done to incredibly, you know, complex, difficult patients with significant cardiac and respiratory disease. And so I think it is a specialty for people who love the breadth of medicine and who are willing to explore the depths of medicine because you have to actually know across all specialties, all systems, and with extreme depth. And you need to love an intense environment where you think fast. Um, you need to love working in a team. You need to be okay with um, and comfortable running resuscitations and these sorts of things. It's it's uh, combines all of the kind of acute care medicine stuff into a more um, manageable space because our operating room conditions are much more controlled, much friendlier, I would say, than some of the scenarios you might find in the emergency mm -hmm. department. For instance, there's just is just a little more predictable on some days. Some days it's highly unpredictable and that keeps it interesting. Your call list, you never know what's coming through the day, through the door. And even with an elective list, you know, if there's something more urgent that trumps, you might get bumped out of your planned day and you need to kind of welcome that um, uncertainty and, and be comfortable in an environment that's certain and a team that you know well. Yeah, and along those same lines, what would be some of the biggest challenges that you have experience with anesthesia? What are some of the downsides, if any? Um, I think that hours, and you never, it's never easy. We are working after midnight. Again, these are the sickest of sick patients, right? If we're, if we're working after midnight, it's life or limb threatening. So, um, and, and if there is a, a surgical case going on in the operating room, I am physically present. My trainees are not sending me a text saying how it's going in the operating room. We, we are there and present. So um, that's a bit different than some spe other specialties where as you progress along your training, there's more and more independence and you don't necessarily have a staff right beside you. It's not that we're always right smack beside our trainees in the residence, but if there is a, a case going on and particularly challenging cases, we are going to be immediately available that's across Canada, that's the case. So I think the hours can be tough. Um, it is never easy dealing with poor outcomes. And you need to recognize that we do deal with poor outcomes because um, we, we would do anything to prevent the accidents that bring some of our patients to us, but we can't do that preventive piece. They've already shown up and sometimes the physiologic circumstances are not conducive to survival in these situations. That said, we as a team, you know, still do our best for a good outcome, but it's not always what we hope. Um, yeah, long hours, nighttime hours, physical presence, poor outcomes, those are the challenges. Right. So Considering all of those challenges that you do face and how much you're dedicating to this career, do you find that anesthesiology is compensated well? And how does compensation work within your field? Um, I think that 
<laughs> there's some things we deal with that there's no amount of money that would ever make it worth, you know, feel worth it because it, it takes years off of your life sometimes, some of the scenarios that we're, we're doing our best for. But I think that we are well paid. Um, it's a great specialty in that after, I always encourage anyone just coming out and starting as staff person to work as close to full time as they can to really get some of that experience under their belt. And then you'll find lots of people um, job share. So it might be a 0.5, 0.5. It's quite flexible in that way. Um, you're not running an office. So you don't have overhead like many other specialties. When I go on vacation, I'm on vacation. I'm not worrying about paying um, for the office space that I use or my receptionist or, you know, uh, nursing staff that are helping in a clinic. That's where many of us are hospital based. That said, some people do run strictly private clinics outside of the hospital, uh, particularly in the area of pain. So hugely flexible. How do we get paid? In Alberta, most anesthesiologists are free for service, meaning that if I provide anesthesia for a procedure, I get paid for that service, right? If I don't, if I'm on call and there are no emergent cases that come in for that night, I don't get paid anything. So we're fee for service. Um, so that, uh, the more you work, the more you get paid, basically, there's some variability in it. Um, but for the most part, we get paid fee for service. And if you're working full time, for the most part, you will easily be making somewhere well above 300, 350, 400,000. Many people make way, way, way more than that. Um, but for the most part, if you're working within... Alberta Health Services as a full-time anesthesiologist, you will be making a very comfortable living. Thank you so much for your openness in answering that question. And uh, how is how is overhead? Well, minimal, minimal. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the hospital should cover that, right? If you're in the operating room and so on. Yeah, we don't. We don't pay an overhead to go and work in the operating room. Amazing. Okay. And one last question before we end here. Uh, what would be your best advice for medical students who are listening to this podcast? What would be your best advice for them? A couple of things. I think you really need to think about um, who are the patients that you want to serve, that you want to be, that you'll still be passionate about, passionate about looking after 20 years down the road at three o'clock in the morning when you're super tired. Who are the patients that you will still be able to go that extra mile for every single time. That's really, really important. And number two, who are the who are the colleagues that you want around you? Who are the people that you want around you? And I think those are two important things in terms of longevity because we spend a lot of time in our work environment and it's really important that it's supportive, that it's collegial, that the patients that you are caring for, um, that you have some internal satisfaction just in the fact that you get to, that you have the privilege of looking after them. It should never feel like a job. It should feel like a privilege. You know, in Canada, for the most part, our patients don't pick us, right? We, we they come to us because they're vulnerable. Um, they would rather, for the most part, not interact with medical care providers if they could. So, I keep that always very front in my mind that this is a privilege, the job we get to do. I still feel like that decades down the road. I really do. 
love the work I do. Uh, really enjoy the people that I get to work with. And um, so I would encourage all of you to think about who you want to hang out with, patients, colleagues, who are you still going to be highly motivated for down the road. And like I said, we, as physicians, we are paid well. You know, we are compensated well. Sometimes it will not feel like enough because there is no money that would make whatever you're trying to get someone through worth it. It's just, it is really hard. It's really challenging. So if you're doing it for the money, I think you should probably go into business, um, not medicine. There needs to be some internal satisfaction of looking, uh, having the privilege of caring for patients. Yeah, completely agreed. And thank you so much for that great advice. I know that this podcast will be super helpful for a lot of students in my class because we have quite a few colleagues that are super interested in anesthesiology. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Have a lovely day.